Hey out there, everybody, and welcome to Caffeination 512. Be excellent to one another. It's also the half a K edition, depending on which base number system you're actually using. We are, of course, recording live to hard drive as we usually attempt to do. We're also recording live over at live.caffeination.com. So if you ever thought of uh, possibly uh, going over there and uh, joining in, there's always a bunch of funny people uh, hanging out right now. Today we have Valley Man, and uh, we're probably going to have Norbert, who knows who else, might wander by. So it's it's always a good crowd, and I'd like to thank everybody over there who uh, stops in and uh, donates their time for their uh, for the special brand of comedy that we have. Um, we're. <laughs> We're, as usual, running by the seat of our pants with the technology here. I'm pretty sure the computer is uh, is pushed to the limit because, you know, just certain things don't like working out <laughs> the, the way that they actually should. We have a fun amount of stuff. I'm not going to say a ton because, you know, it, it's not really a ton. Is it metric ton? Is it standard ton? Who knows? But we have a, uh, yeah, there was a random tone at the end of the thing there, and that's because I was unfortunately using iTunes to play the introductory stuff. And the next song was something like Also Sprock Zarathustra or something like that. So who knows where the the day will go? But I killed off iTunes, and uh, who you know, if I'm really lucky, I'll be able to kill off every other little random processes that shows up on today's show as well. So. Uh, we uh, we have a fun little show lined up for you. There's a ton of stuff stuff in the stuff stuck actually in the geek cruft section here at the Caffeination Podcast. We have a decent amount of stuff in the food and caffeinated bits, and we started writing articles again, which is always better. I love it when I've actually you know sat down and we've actually gotten a lot of content out on this site. Now it's not what we had a couple of weeks ago or even like two months ago, where I was having content come out every art, uh, every day and something like that, because that's that's what I really strive for. But since the car accident, which yes, the the special arm's still here. It's just resting on the desk today. Uh, the you know since the car accident, just everything just went downhill. Lost all the motivation. I was like, you know what? I I really need to make sure that I'm actually producing good content as opposed to just putting schlock on a page. So yeah, I mean, hey, if you want to hear schlock, you just listen to the podcast, right? So we have a ton of interesting stuff, and I'm actually really kind of excited to talk about some of the different things that did happen. So for geeky this week, what did I do geeky this week? Well, we are planning a huge huge move. Uh, I work at Temple University, specifically in the architecture department, and we are moving into our own building starting on the 19th of December. So there's all kinds of fun geeky gadgets that are going into it. Like There's like different little things you can geek out in all over the different building. Uh, For instance, usually office buildings or whatnot have those uh, drop ceilings that are coming down and in. This doesn't have any drop ceilings except in the offices. All of the ductwork and everything is exposed, so you can see all the crazy different little stuff that's hidden up uh, up and away in there. And it's it's actually a really kind of cool effect. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other different stuff. So if you know, I, I know I missed a little bit of an introduction here, but if you are listening to the caffeination for the first time, then you know <laughs> this is what you usually get. It's a fun little tech chat. Uh, we we talk all about caffeine culture and technology news. What basically that means is that anything geeky, you're gonna find it here. If I think it's It's awesome and it's a little bit off the beaten path. I'm going to do my best to explain it as best possible. Uh, We love having the community here. Uh, We build different funny words on these live shows. And, uh, you know, it's usually an interplay between myself and my co-host Steve, who doesn't happen to be here this episode. But I love having, you know, the different funny little things that show up throughout the episode. So last time uh, I messed up a word and instead of saying mesmerizing and called it mesmerizing. So uh, the last episode was called mesmerizing. We have no clue what that means but you know what i'm pretty sure somebody in the community will be able to figure it out so uh, why don't you join into the uh, the fun little community we have here every uh 
every Wednesday at uh, 9.30 on the eastern seaboard of the U.S. You can tune in to live.caffeination.com, which is what we're currently doing right now. If you're looking for this podcast or any of its other little episodic friends, you can head on over to www.caffination.com. That is caffeination.com in case you couldn't figure it out. If you have any comments, feedback, suggestions, hate mail, please feel free to fire them off to caffeination at gmail.com for generalized show stuff. For specifics, you can hit me up at paul at caffeination.com. And if you'd like to throw Steve a bone, you can throw him one over at steve at caffeination.com. Um, there, there's there's funny little things that happen along the way to to creating a podcast. Every every once in a while, like you'll really find all these different odd um, news stories that show up through the week, and they seem completely unrelated to one another. And you're like, okay, wow, that's really cool. Put it in the bin. I'll talk about it. Yeah, that's kind of neat. And I think I'll put it in the bin. And then after a while, you start to realize that either your mind is creating some kind of pattern, or it's kind of like contact, and you've been staring at the static a little too long. And all of a sudden, this strange and wonderful show emerges, and that's usually what we have here at the caffeination podcast we uh it's strange it's wonderful and most of the times it's on time so that's what we kind of uh, strive for <laughs> um we are a proud member of the tech podcast network if it's tech it's here all the member shows have agreed to create child safe family friendly and educational stuff we attempt to be educational we do our best you know we do our best with the tools we got and all I got's up here. All right, so uh, that's about it for Geeky this week. I didn't get a chance to play too many games, didn't get a chance to work on all the wonderful things that I'd love to work on because, you know, one of my favorite parts about being a geek and geeking out about things is having little projects along the way. It's like, you know, little little tiny uh, uh, things that you can actually set up and actually go through uh, your day on. It's, it's, it's And getting those tiny little things completed is some of the best stuff that you can do. So, unfortunately, there was no tiny little completions this week, just big honking projects on the horizon. So, honk honk, here it is. All right, um, moving right along. <laughs> Geeky this week is over. We're diving right into the Geek Cruft section here at the Caffeination Podcast. The first story that we have is uh, there's a story. Now, I'm not really a fan of the uh, <laughs> of the title, but it's called 50 Cal is for Girls. Check out this do-it-yourself 70 Cal T-Rex rifle. Basically, a gentleman who decided that it would be a really good idea to build a rifle, built himself a 70 caliber rifle. That is bigger than a machine gun for most people. Um, it fires a slug that weighs somewhere around, um, I think it says it's, a, it's an 1,132-grain slug that moves at roughly 30 or uh, 2,300 f- uh, feet per second. Uh, it has, <laughs> And it can bust th- clean through a quarter-inch steel plate. Now, here's the issue with this. And there's a funny thing. It's like, if you watch the video, it's, there's really a horrible kind of song going through. It's like, you know, sugar, sugar. And I love the idea that somebody, that you can actually go out and say, you know what I'm going to do today, Merle, we're going to make a gun. And then you sit there, you put the gun together and you go out and you shoot it. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. And this story is going to, you know, kind of tie into a couple other things a little bit later on. But, um, 70 cal this thing is huge it weigh it you know it, it, when he shows the bullet the bullet itself is like you know he's firing his thumb coming right out the side and it it's 
It's not something you're going to play around with. This is not even something you could use for hunting. If you shot a deer with this thing, you'd leave a hole in the deer the size of a Buick. So, I mean, that's that's not really what we're looking for here. This is this is definitely a sporting rifle. This is definitely a uh, a little uh, track that's actually going on through. But it, it's it's not one of those things where you're you're going to sit there and you know this isn't a self defense rifle because it'll leave a bruise the size of Montana on you. But you know it's it's kind of interesting to see that people can actually do this. And you know through most of the video they're just shooting straight into the ground. Then for one of the targets they actually have like a two foot long log, and in at the end of the log they put a quarter inch steel plate. The steel it not only does it blow through completely through the steel plate, it actually doesn't just pierce it and you know go through and into the log. It also goes a foot into the log, by the way. Um, but it. it takes the actual steel plate as it is and basically makes a cap for the soft lead round that goes through it and drives that cap so it ripped part of the steel plate off it didn't pierce it technically it just ripped right through it and carried some of it with it so it's it's pretty insane but there, there's somebody who's in the comments who kind of caught my eye and one, one of the guys keeps saying he's like yeah this is really great and everything but you're going to mess things up for the rest of us gun owners because actually owning anything over 50 cal is not legal um you have to have all kinds of special permits and everything and since you diy'd it it's not legal just because you say it is and while i while i really love the do-it-yourself uh, spirit of it i'd kind of hope that somebody who has this level of knowledge and this level of uh playing around with something would you know at least try and slightly adhere to the to the laws of the land but like and, and of course, you have all the people who you know kind of start throwing slang and throwing uh, throwing uh, derisive facts. Uh, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, you're you're just some kind of crazy liberal. It's like, no, 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 man, I'm, I'm a gun owner. I just I just don't want my rights taken okay because, you know, taken away because you know, <laughs> you're you're not following following the thing. And I, I kind of understand the the thing, but it's like you know actually being able to build one of these things and you know it's like all the different people are going in there and ordering it or trying to order it or whatever and he's like no this is you know like a one-off and so it's i kind of thought it was a little bit uh if, if somebody told me that i was you know flagrantly breaking the law with something that i really thought was cool i would probably try and find a way to legalize it or try and find a way it's like all you have to do is go to, to one of the the organizations that they said and and basically get a letter from them saying that it's okay so what what hurts actually going to the organization saying hey you know i built this this is all completely mine and i'd like to actually you know see if i can legalize it i, I think that would be a little bit better than you know going how they were so all right next little thing this is really really kind of cool and completely in a different direction Direction, but it's all about Star Wars. This is Star Wars Anakin and Darth Vader lightsaber lamps. Now, I, I've seen lamps done in really kind of schlocky manner, where it's usually, you know, like a, a figurine at the bottom, you know, some kind of cheesy base, and then, you know, like the, the, there's like some kind of crazy print across the top. These are actually really, really neat. Uh, it, it's, you know, a, a really kind of an opaque shell on the outside for the top, and then they have kind of like uh, tiny little circles actually cut out for for the for the uh, rebel alliance and for the uh, for the empire and i love the way that they look they really look kind of uh, you know just awesome all over and the best part is that the entire lamp is actually held up with a replica of the handle of the lightsaber for anakin and for darth vader so i mean that's and you know, it's it's 
it's really cool because it's kind of like in the style of like an umbrella lamp or something like that, but it's also kind of like the progression. So it's, you see Anakin and you see Darth Vader. So it's like it's 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 straight on through. I, I love that. I think it's a really really well designed uh, lamp. And it, only if somehow they could actually incorporate the pull into the button on the lightsaber, so you're not just sitting there and using a normal chain pull on the lamp. You're actually going there and you're clicking the button to turn it on. And if yeah, I like the fact that there's no sound effects or anything for it. It's just supposed to be a showpiece. This is something you're supposed to be able to try and sneak into the living room and your wife says, oh, that's a really nice blue lamp. What's the symbol mean? Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. So, uh, thought that was pretty cool. Wanted to pass it along to the group there. Uh, next little thing. This is this is much bigger and you're going to have a much harder time trying to fit this into your living room. However, in a train station over in London, there's a 33 foot tall Lego Christmas tree entirely built. This is in London, San Pancras. It's uh, the patron. I don't know. know. It's San Pancras. Uh, uh, the first thing I think is uh, <laughs> pancreas, but I'm probably wrong. It's, it's, it's insane. I mean, it, it, it's, it's entirely built out of tiny little pieces of Lego going straight up. They have tiny little ornaments on it and the only thing that's not lego is the lights so whereas everybody else is going around and i i dislike some of the uh, pomp and circumstance that surrounds like the new york christmas tree lighting and all the other christmas tree lightings you see around the world because they're cutting down these massive trees and they're throwing them up in the middle and then they're throwing them out at the end i know that they like to say it's like oh you know this was donated by xyz wanted to take this tree down that's not really what i'm looking at i'm looking at somebody cutting down like a 200 year old fir to you know just to throw in the middle of a square for a couple weeks and it just it it, it kind of makes me sad on like a tree hugger kind of level but at the same point in time it's like when they have the story and they're saying you know somebody was trying to clear his farmland and this tree was in the way it's like okay or if it was growing too close to his house or something i I understand that but i like the the idea of having a lego christmas tree a little bit more and i kind of wish philadelphia would find something other than the the standard tree to actually put up there i think it'd be really cool but uh you know london already has this sucker and it is just unbelievable i mean from from the tiny little designs to all the tiny little lego uh balls that they're actually using to actually fill out the tree it just looked really really awesome so i wanted to pass that along um also wanted to make mention because it's not actually built yet and it's usually hard to get pictures of it but hanukkah starts on december 20th and this weekend there there's a couple different people who are vying for the title of the world's tallest lego menorah so last year we put pictures of it up on the show i cannot absolutely cannot wait at all to to, to see exactly how big this thing is i I can't you know it's always really interesting to see what they do but uh we have a lot of really fun kringly stuff so uh (laughs) it should be interesting to to see if we can uh, get some uh, good pictures of that up there all right, uh, let's see what we got for you next. All right, and of course everything's slowing down too. Absolutely, I don't even know. You might get a a really, you might get a rum by of the the cat this time. Maybe I'll use the second camera so you can see the cat. Yeah, there she is, <laughs> and she's attempting to. Uh, and that's what it looks like if you're sitting inside a cup. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that for everybody. All right. The next little thing is that I love the fact that every once in a while you'll catch something on like scientific instruments that just – 
doesn't make sense. And this is one of those things. This is the uh, a cloaked wing, Klingon warship, or is it actually just an artifact on the camera? Uh, the the scanners at NASA, and not a scanner darkly, but a scanner spacely probably. Maybe spacely sprockets somehow involved? I don't even really know. But there's a NASA video that actually captures what looks like an alien spaceship. And I'm not lying. It's basically capturing solar flares as they pass by uh, Mercury. And the weird thing is that there's a shape that appears as the solar flare actually goes that's not visible to the naked eye. But it illuminates as if it was passing over a solid object. And it's only there for a couple seconds. And they were going to write it off as some kind of, you know, uh, strange interference. But... There's a second camera angle from a completely different uh, satellite that's actually showing similar situations. Uh, it's actually from the exact opposite side. So there's one of two possibilities that are actually sitting there. The one is that this is there's two ships, one on either side of the thing. The other one is that it's some weird phenomenon like a... a uh, Phenomenon. Do, 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 do. And so it's it's one of those things where it could actually be some like weird artifact that's created by the magnetic pull of the uh, of the um, the planet. Basically, there's so much science involved, and there, there's been updates throughout the day. So if you if you bookmark this little uh, link to the, over at uh, Gizmodo.com, they're hopefully going to keep updating it and keep letting us know exactly what it is. So it's really kind of cool because it's invisible to the naked eye, and then all of a sudden it's like. Whoa, whoa. And then you see it come in, which dovetails nicely into the next story. And this one's from over at device.com. But over at device.com, the search for aliens is back on at SETI. I personally think somebody over at NASA said, hey, you know what? We just got the telescope back online. How about you guys uh, find a little something-something on the one side of uh, Mercury? But basically, uh, federal funding and cut funding all over the world was cut for the Allen Telescope Array, so nobody could really use it. You, know, you have to pay for your time on using these things, and uh, you know it's, it's, it's expensive. So it's been switched to off mode. There's 42 telescopes, and they're all focused on the sky, again, thanks to a t- $232,725 series of donations that were raised by the SETI STARS website. And there's over 2,700 people that have opened up their wallets to reopen the 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 use of this telescope. I remember that I donated a lot of uh, computer time to the organization, never actually had the coin to donate the money, but I think this is awesome. I love the fact that we're back to exploring something, even if it's a, you know, a completely crowdsourced endeavor. You know, it, it, it just, it makes me feel a little bit better that there's a little bit more curiosity in the world than there is a vitriol. <sighs> All right. And as, <laughs> As we're moving right along, the next little thing that I got for you is actually something that's in- incredibly awesome. Uh, there's a there's 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 geeks and then there's geeks and then there's nerds and then there's nerds. And no, nobody's a dork and nobody wants to be one, uh, except for you know a bad part of the town. But uh, it, it's it's dangerous to go out alone. Would you like some company? This is the phrase that's been uttered time and time again by the gentleman who lives in the first cave in uh, Zelda. However, this is a special kind of Zelda. Uh, uh, the, the the original Legend of Zelda played on a ROM as one gentleman attempted to 
proposed to his girlfriend. And what he did was he hacked the ROM so that it says it's dangerous to go out alone. Amber, will you marry me? And as she turned around, and this is how awesome it gets, her fiancé had built a ring box out of Legos in the shape of a heart and had the ring in there. I'm sorry, that's so many different layers of geekdom that it's actually kind of scary. And first of all, the fact that his, his uh, girlfriend gamed with him and you know he would set her up with different things and she would just play them, that, that's that's... That's that's awesome. That that's a level of cool that I I would really kind of like aspire to, you know. I, I went through the whole proposal thing, went through all the nervous uh, nervousness beforehand. But you know, if I had the internet back then, no, just uh, you know, <laughs> there's so many different things that I've seen now. I've gone, oh man, that would have been a great great idea. Somehow I would have had to hack uh, Mario Kart 64 and made you know like the screen that when you actually had it at the end, it's like you know, hey Jim, would you marry me? First of all, I'm just making sure that nobody's trying to propose to my daughter with the the Lego thing because her name is uh, a <laughs> Amber. But uh, they said they don't want to get too geeky, so the wedding's probably going to be a little bit more traditional. Too geeky? Your boyfriend proposed to you with a hand-coded screen in a video game that hasn't, you know, been it's been out for 25 years, and then he built the ring box out of Legos. I think you're already beyond the level of geeky, and you're just pretty much waiting, waiting to exhale on that one. I just, I thought it was awesome. Had to share it with the group. All right. Uh, I actually do know somebody who had a Lego cake. Well, not the entire cake was Lego. My best friend, Jimmy, actually had a cake where the cake toppers were the Lego people. The cake was all squared off. It was incredibly tasty, but it was just really kind of cool to see the little cake toppers. And because Jimmy's slightly shorter than his wife, somebody about halfway through the ceremony reached over and pushed his Lego man down about a quarter of an inch. So they they thought it was funny. All right. Uh, now the next thing. This has been in the news, for, and this is all about geeks and science and everything else like that. But if you are a fan of the show MythBusters, then you're going to know that they had something a little bit more than a myth busted yesterday. As it is, they were testing to the, trying to ch- test the speed of a cannonball, and they had a misfire. Or they usually test at the uh, the bomb disposal range that they always go to. Apparently, the cannon shot skyward, missing the hill behind, missing the target and the the hill behind everything. And then after it went over the hill, it traveled an additional 700 yards, bounced off a street, bounced off somebody's door, went into the door, up the stairs, into a bedroom where the entire family was sleeping. For some reason, they were all sleeping at 4.15 in the afternoon, blew through a hole in the back of their house pinball style exactly and then after it did that it went over bounced off the street again into somebody's house off their roof and into a minivan nothing but passenger seat i hate watching the news reports because they're like you know these obvious you know they, they they try and phrase it like it's like like they're bad people who are doing bad things yes misfires happen all the time i remember there was one time in new jersey where you know a, a military grade fighter jet dropped a dummy missile into a residential neighborhood no that's not a good thing yes they could have hit people no they didn't hit people and just be thankful that the overall probability of stupid things happening with large bore uh cannons is not nearly as uh frequent now as it used to be so if we're going to understand how different things happened back in the day, I'd like to have this kind of you know experimental attitude. They're probably going to implement a couple other uh, tests, and they might end up using a different range that's a little further away. But you know, you're, you're setting up your house next to you're, you're choosing to play house next to a bomb testing range. I, I'd think that's a little bit of a, uh, a give and take with the security features. Yeah, there's going to be a lot a lot of cops, but you know what? 
there, there might be a couple bombs going off too. So uh, it, it's kind of scary. And if you actually watch the video and mute it just to see some of the damage, it's a lot better than if you listen to all the uh, sensationalist journalism that's going around. And as for something, it's like, you know, when you have somebody trying something for the, for the betterment of science and then somebody who's just really, really stupid. It's always funny to watch somebody who's really, really stupid. There's a gentleman who's trying to steal gas from a church van. And somehow, without any kind of container to hold the gas in, he tried to use a cordless drill and drill through the side of the van and into the gas tank. And he set the van and himself on fire. So just to go to show you crooks and criminals out there, if you're going to try and steal gas, you do what the rest of us do and use a garden hose for a siphon. Come on. Watch Mythbusters every once in a while. That's just that's just funny kind of stupid. Uh, it's just he, he he's a Darwin Award runner up because he's still walking around. He might have a little bit of a limp, maybe a little bit crispy, but, you know. All right, next little thing I found from over at Geekalohi again is if Pixar had made the X-Men movies, they have pictures of baby Magneto and a bunch of sketches, uh, sketches for some of the other uh, baby X-Men I, or baby Marvel comics in general. I love the way that the that uh, Magneto is actually depicted in this. It looks exactly like you would imagine a Pixar animation still to look, and it, it has all of the elements, and it's just kind of one of those things where it's, you want to say, okay, Pixar, so you were bought out by Disney. Disney does nothing but sequels pretty much anymore, and you have a wonderful creative team behind it. Do you think that maybe <laughs> every once in a while somebody somebody would actually do that? I mean, I think that would be really cool. So I, just, I would love to see that kind of thing actually show up. So... Uh, all right, moving right along to the next little thing. This is uh, from a fun little website called caffeination.com. Uh, there's a really kind of a uh, useful uh, utility, and uh, this has kind of a – it's loaded with 80s references, so I just thought I would uh, share with the group because I thought it was really cool. But uh, <laughs> there's a uh, a funny little thing that's showing up. It's an Autobot Transformer ukulele. Now, this is, you know, I, I basically phrased it said, you know, there's few things in life, in life as awesome as learning how to play an instrument. And what would happen if the instrument itself was awesome? Well, then George Carlin would probably drop down in a magical telephone booth and show you how to transport throughout time to save your band. Except that was probably Wild Stallions, which is where we get to be excellent for one another for today's show. But it's also kind of fun to think about this because there's a, a gentleman who actually runs one of the craziest things that I've ever seen before. It's a Celentano Woodworks, and he has a whole bunch of custom guitars and ukuleles that are actually built out. And I just, I absolutely love the Autobots thing because so many things are done with the Decepticons, and I personally love the the fact that you know the villainy is somewhat cool. But I love the Autobots. Optimus Prime is like one of my absolute favorite. Uh, characters of all time that's right even the categories but but uh you know this is just such a beautiful piece of uh of craftsmanship and then of course there's only one song that you need to figure out how to play on a ukulele now and that is the power ballad sung by uh, i think it's stan butch or stan bush rather you've got the touch you've got the power (laughs) but you know that uh, i can't sing so i'm pretty sure yep that broke. All right. But, you know, I, I love that. So, of course, there's the uh, ubiquitous uh, 80s power ballad uh, clip under it. But it, it, it's $550. He's already sold the only one he made. There's a waiting list for people who absolutely are ready to buy this. I cannot wait to see how many people actually end up sporting this. He needs to make this into an actual, you know, six-string guitar. Ukuleles are cool, but, you know, just expand it a little bit. He has a six-string guitar 
cupcake guitar that's actually, you know, I would say around a foot and a half wide. It's like giant. It's pink. It has icing on it. I mean, that's just fantastic. And, you know, it's like if I if I saw a girl band coming out there, or even a boy band coming out there with you know, like the cupcake as a guitar. It's like, all right, you're in another level. You're willing to play with a cupcake as your guitar. You you, you win ten internets right there. All right. Now the next thing again in music, and this one I'm hoping is actually going to transfer a little bit to the to the audio, but we're not entirely sure if it's going to work. But this is, uh, you know, different texts work at different uh, harmonization levels, basically. I don't know if that's actually going to make sense. But when you use motors, they create harmonics. And when you use other different bits that make things move, then it it, it makes a, a noise. I mean, you, you've seen it when your scanner moves back and forth. You've seen it, you've seen it when, uh, you know, like a, a, a turret moves or something like that. There's so many different examples of tiny little servos moving things back and forth. And, and with our laser cutter, there's always this kind of, you know, like a fun little melody that's created by a really awesome job. It's like, and it's all these different little things that are going on. Well, one gentleman actually found a way to program and find the different tunes for the different speeds at which the motor is actually uh, revolved, and he put together an entire robot band to play the animals, the House of the Rising Sun. So I'm hoping that this actually goes through. So. Uh... the sounds that you're hearing right now are actually generated by computers. And they're not like, you know, computer tones, but they're motors and they're oscillators and they're all these different kinds of things. I mean, it's it's dead on. If you, if you listen to the whole song, which we're not going to play here, but you can actually hear, like, everything is perfectly timed and it just sounds like, <laughs> like, like you're, it's ready to get belted out overall. Like the, the the tones and everything are actually hard drives that are clicking, and the uh, and the, um, the the sound that you hear that is normally the, the singer's voice is actually an HP Scanjet. Like all the different things that they use are actually listed on the YouTube page. I, I've actually listened to the song just to listen to it because I think it's that cool. And there's, they also have Bohemian Rhapsody, but that one's not done quite as well. The the, the production value on this one is uh, is just like overall. And uh, if you're going to listen to the House of the Rising Sun, I would actually suggest listening to some of the later uh, renditions done. I can't remember the, the lead singer name uh, right off the top of my head it's, it's always right there but you just search for House of the Rising Sun there, there's some of the some of the performances that the gentleman sang later on in his life and it takes on a completely different tone than when you're listening to the early renditions in the 60s and when you're listening to the later renditions it's just like the power and the the, the pain in his voice is unbelievable so all right next moving right along to this uh little thing here uh we have two little things at the end and then we're going to send you out uh, to the food and caffeinated bits the first one is false scarcity disney has used it for years to create a uh, wonderful little market for all the different little things well you know it's like oh, you know, the disney vault has opened no you people have decided to let a couple more copies of beauty and the beast slip by let's not lie any lie to anybody so what they do is they actually collect all the uh, the copies that aren't 
sold so that there's not an overage or you know, they don't flood the market. It's incredibly smart business, but it's really, really horrible if you're trying to get a movie that's a couple years out of date. So Harry Potter, the complete eight-film collection, is currently on sale, and it's currently reduced in price. Warner Brothers is doing the Disney-style thing now, and they are going to be pulling it all back into the vault. I have a feeling, since Warner Brothers also owns New Line Cinema, and they're, they actually, uh, they're in charge of the... Lord of the Rings box set, which is also reduced to half price, I'm pretty sure that they're doing the same thing. So at the end of this calendar year, they're pulling all of the extra copies off the shelves, and then you're going to have to wait for quite some time to be able to buy them again as a complete boxed set. So if you want either of these box sets, I suggest that you probably go out and try and purchase them relatively shortly. So... It's going to be a big uh, big vault. There's probably all kinds of different uh, references that you could throw out there. Not really a big Harry Potter fan, but I'm pretty sure Azkaban's some kind of prison. So you could probably you know, lock all the, the Harry Potter stuff down in Azkaban you know, with those fun little moving picture dealies. And then, if you're actually going to, to really go into the Tolkien thing, it's, you, know, you could have actually uh, hidden it in the pits of Khazad-dum uh, where you, know, you have to speak friend and enter. Of course, we're talking about the Mines of Moria there, my friends. But, you know, if beyond that, you know, what would happen if you were actually hide the entire DVD archive within the Tower of Baradur, that where the red eye looks out. This, of course, before the ring's thrown into Mount Doom, but I, mean, I, I digress. Maybe possibly at Osgoloth? Maybe minus Morgul? Yeah. Minus Ithil in, in, in times that are better, but you know, I, I could go on all day. Really, what do you want to do? Uh, I absolutely love Lord of the Rings. I, I, I like the movies for Harry Potter. I need to kind of break myself down and actually read the books. I'm pretty sure I'll enjoy it. Just wanted to, to pass it along because I thought it was kind of a, a, not a real fun thing to do for the consumer level of things. But all right, there's two little things here right here. First thing is if you have any chance to possibly support the caffeination, we have plenty of links that are on the, uh, the poster. You can either go to store.caffeination.com and there's a whole bunch of posters that are there for sale we also have uh, society six and there's a couple other places that you can find our work which you know if if you like any of our posters or if you're looking for a poster that's not up there but there's something that we've done i'd really love to be able to you know help uh, spread some of the words so just uh, you know shoot me an email at paul at caffeination.com and we can work out something and i'll uh, you know print you an art quality print and send it to you um there's also a wonderful thing, and the gentleman happens to be in the chat room today, that I was going to be talking about this because I've been sharing this with all the people in my son's daycare, and they absolutely love it. But there's a wonderful app for the iPhone and iPad called the Santa Scanometer. There's also the Santa, Santa Scanometer Pro. My kids are absolutely addicted to this. I cannot thank Tom Coffee enough for rolling this one out because it is really, really cool. Uh, there, there's a bunch of people in the daycare that are saying this is like fantastic. They can't wait to show their kids this thing. So, Tom, you did a really awesome stuff. My son loves this. I actually have him terrified of showing up on the naughty list. Uh, that, that's such a good thing. I love being able to instill the fear uh, of Krampus in somebody without actually the threat of a demon that's going to wander around and eat the children. However, if you could work that into the next thing, I think that would be really cool. <laughs> so it's really, really cool. So if you have a chance, do a search over at the iTunes Marketplace for Santa Scanometer. And Tom, we need one of these for Android as well. <laughs> that poster behind me, that is the uh, Coffee Power one. <laughs> All right, let's see what we got next. Um, I think that about wraps it up for yep that yes, I did make that poster actually. I made that poster and a couple of the other ones that are usually hanging around but are currently obscured by trees uh, so uh, it just 
it, it's it's kind of fun to be able to do that kind of vector vector art and do that some of that kind of stuff and actually have some of your stuff hanging out in uh, different people's offices and things like that. So uh, I'm really kind of looking forward to selling some of that stuff and really kind of uh, getting back into the, the that world. So uh, that, that's one of the things that I'm the most proud of with the uh, the caffeination has actually gotten a lot more. Uh, notice for the design work that actually gets pushed out there than sometimes the podcast, which is both, you know, it's a double-edged sword, but it's really cool to be able to say that as well. And yes, it is on the market. So if you go on over to store.caffeination.com, you can find the Coffee Power uh, poster as well as a couple of the other ones uh, up there. So let me just send you a link directly to that one. And uh, if any of those, there's a whole bunch of different styles up there and uh, things that are up there. But if you if you're not digging the sizes or anything, let me know, and uh, we might be able. To, I could probably set up some different ones that are up there. Um, let's see what else we got. Um, the all right, I got a wonderful bit of news a little bit earlier today, and this is the start of the food and caffeinated bits section. But one of my infographics that's actually going to be available on the, the store, it's currently available somewhere else, but it wasn't getting a lot of traffic, so I need to push it over to the, the store. But it's actually called the Coffee Cultivation. It's the history of coffee cultivation. It's the spread of coffee out of Ethiopia. It's one of the things that I'm most proud of that I've worked on here at the Caffeination because it took a lot of of research and a lot of things to get it done, and it was all based on something that was a, a, an infographic or, that, or not even an infographic, a timeline that was printed in a book that Sweet Maria is one of the coffee pla- uh, coffee places did a long time ago. Oh, wait, this, that actually didn't show up again, but um, there it is. But uh, the, the coolest thing is that it it... I put it up on Visually, and Visually is a place where infographics go to live. And it, it's a new service that came out, and they actually promoted it to the front page. And I was just so enthused that you know somebody would actually recognize my work, and a lot of people I know like this. And it's one of those things where it's like I can point to it and say, hey, you know what, I, I love that. And it actually uses some of the same base images from the Coffee Power uh, poster that I have. But it, it's a spread, and I've had a couple of people say, hey, you know, you spelled Ecuador wrong, or that's not a real country or something like that. All of these are done f- directly from the, the source information. So all the countries are listed a- as if they, they appeared back in like the 1950s and the 1960s you know, or whenever, whenever they were actually pushed forward. So they were using some of the records that actually existed well before that. And people like to say, well, you know, where did the coffee get, how did the coffee get to Brazil or something like that? And it's like, well, you know, coffee didn't just go right from Ethiopia out to the world in the wild. There's a whole bunch of stories that are actually are about it. So for instance, if you're drinking coffee that's from brazil it actually is originally from a uh, derivation that came or a varietal of coffee that came out of java and then it went from java to sumatra and uh, sumatra to brazil or it went to french guiana and then french guiana to brazil there's two different varietals that showed up there so there's countries that you're not going to see represented here but there's also a lot of really cool stuff that actually got to show out so for instance the coffee from haiti and san domingo actually went over to french equatorial africa which went up to rhodesia and Natal. Uh, so, I mean, like, there's, there's all these tiny little things that are, that are hidden in the history of coffee that I just love to be able to showcase. And that was one of the coolest things that I found. So I just I wanted to put it all together in one little infographic, and I got promoted to the front page of Visually, so I thought it was really cool and wanted to share it. All right, now the next little thing is another one, other wonderful little infographic that I actually found. Uh, this is coffee, what I'm basically calling it is cradle to grave. And uh, 
it's basically from the time the coffee is cultivated up until the time that you actually go out and brew it and to what actually happens all the way in between. This is one of the most complex and word-heavy infographics that I've ever seen. I did not design this one. I just found it, and I think it's really awesome. So I actually have to go in there and actually read in to see how accurate all the different stuff and see, you know, there's always something. Whenever anybody presents a large amount of uh, information or detail on something that you're fairly familiar with, there's a... a uh, there's always a, a threat that, you know, you're going to just skim over because you think you know everything in there. And I love being able to really kind of dive back into the basics because there's all these tiny little things that you possibly could have missed. And I, that's one of the reasons why when we do pod camps or stuff like that, I love teaching the basic courses more so than some of the advanced or higher level courses. It's not just because, you know, I can lord my vast amount of knowledge over all of the noobs. No, no, no. That, that, that's always a plus. But no, it's, it's more along the lines of when, when I'm trying to explain something that's fairly complex to people who don't really understand the basics, I always end up teaching myself a little bit more along the way it's like you know what why do i do it that way is it possible to actually change my workflow to move around and it works with graphic design it works with uh, uh, audio recording and uh, and podcast editing and stuff like that so it's one of those things where i really love to be able to kind of break down to basics and now this is a way i can do it with coffee without having to read like a 65 page book which you know I, i'm fine reading a 65 page book provided that it's actually you know on point, if, if it's uh, you know kind of really dragging, then you know I, m I might have to uh, <laughs> to to take a, a a breather on it. All right, now the next little thing that I found is from over at ogizmo.com. I love perfect design, and pancakes are probably one of the most perfectly designed breakfast foods that are out there, except for the fact that they don't already come with butter and syrup in them, and even if they do, it's not really properly applied. For instance, you need to have pancake pat of butter. Pancake, pat of butter, pancake, pat of butter, up to about five pats of butter and pancakes. And then you pour the syrup over top of them after you've cut an eight-sided pie in it. And then after all of that, and of course the pancakes have to be steaming hot to actually spread the butter properly. Then you pour the, the you, you spread a little hole in the middle after the you know the center of where your pizza pie of uh, pancakes, and then you pour the syrup down into that. It's the only proper way to properly syrup all of the pancakes. This pancake plate, however, adds a new wrinkle into that. It actually has a well for the syrup to actually pull into on the one side so that you can actually have other foods. That's my only problem with pancakes is that it, if you try and share the plate with something else, it doesn't really work out too well. So this, I might actually be able to do it. There's, of course, there's still no bacon trough, so I'm not really sure if it's a perfect plate. But it's a really good idea. So you head on over to Ogizmo and check out the uh, bliss in a pancake plate. All right, the second little thing, or next little thing that we got for you here is the secret to good coffee. Now, Good coffee is one of those things that, that everybody likes to talk about. And I, during the holidays, if you make coffee and if you enjoy coffee, you're going to be serving coffee to other people who visit your house. The problem with this is that if you need to brew coffee and you need to brew it well and you need to brew it in large quantities, you need to kind of break down to basics, again, back to the basics. So one of the things I put together is a quick little guide that hopefully helps you to, to figure out the best way of making a lot of coffee in a good way. First thing I say is you should avoid dark roasts because unless you're really familiar with the roaster, then, you know, you're probably going to get coffee. You have a very high chance of getting coffee that is much more burned than actually roasted. So if you take that into account, then you're like, okay, you know what, maybe I'll back a little bit off that. 
that and I can move along to something else. So if you go to the medium or what they call a city roast, which is slightly darker, but it's not burnt, they're still just, there's, the beans are still relatively dry. As soon as you see oil on the outside of the bean, it's begun to actually caramelize on the inside of the bean itself. And if you're already getting pre-ground coffee, you're unfortunately doing it wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, the second thing is blends. If you're going for the cheat sheet overall. African coffees usually have incredibly bold flavors. South American coffees are usually kind of earthy and, and rich flavored. Uh, if you're going for an island coffee like Jamaica, Kona, or Sumatra, they're incredibly uh, particular and uh, specifically with the uh, Kona and the Jamaican, you're not blending them with anything because they're roughly 40 bucks a pound. So I don't think you're going to be serving that at your holiday parties. But if you are, you know, hey, send a little some our way. <laughs> but I thought that was really cool. Uh, so, you know, there's all these different single varietals that are out there, and a lot of people get, you know, kind of wedged into one side or another. It's like, oh, yes, this is hand-roasted Guatemalan beans. It's like, you know what, if you get a good batch, it's, it's okay. If you get a bad batch, it's kind of bad. So if you're serving coffee for the masses, you want to kind of run down the middle of the gamut, and the best way to do that is with a good blend. So you just look at a lot of the reviews, and I usually, again, go to the, the, the middle-of-the-road stuff, and you want make sure that as many people as possible are going to enjoy it. So you're looking for lower acidity and you're looking for a much more balanced cup of coffee. Usually I stick with the uh, the South Americans coffees for the for the holidays. Uh, this third thing is get whole bean. You can buy yourself a cheap blade grinder, although it's not the, the preferable way to blend, grind coffee. It's it's good enough for government work. Uh, whole bean coffee will stay fresh longer. It'll it'll taste incredibly better when, whenever you do it. So it's just the only way to go. And then the last thing, this is kind of a little thing that not a lot of people like when I say, but it really serves good coffee, is make a French, is use a French press. First of all, it looks really cool when you're doing it. You know, the whole, the whole action, you know, Starbucks has made millions and millions and billions of dollars on the fact that they're not selling coffee, they're selling an experience. So when people come to my house for coffee, I like to say, you're not just getting coffee, you're also getting the experience. So I brew incredibly strong coffee in the French press, and then I actually cut it. It's usually two-thirds to the French press with a nice uh, thing of hot water to top it off. This way you can actually keep the coffee, which I usually end up putting in a carafe or a thermos anyway, so you can keep the coffee concentrate that you actually made with that, and then brew it into the French press, and then brew it into the cup that way, so it actually lightens it up a little bit, and if you use a nice coarse grind on the uh, the stuff that's going into the, the French press, you won't get the sediment at the bottom of the cup, which is what not a lot of people like. I actually happen to like it. Uh, all right, the next little thing we have is from over at foodbeast.com, and I smacked myself when I saw this. This is brilliant. Nutella hot chocolate. I like Nutella. I like hot chocolate. But what would happen if you were to make Nutella hot chocolate? That is, just take a, a thing of steamed milk or, or simmered milk, and then you put spoonfuls of Nutella in it and stir it around. Apparently, it's delicious. I tried it today, and you know what? It is. It's incredibly delicious. A little bit nutty, but it's unbelievable. It, it's just, like, fantastic. So I, I just had to share that with the group. It has a quite different flavor than regular hot chocolate, and it really kind of brings out the hazelnut uh, aspect of it, but it's really, really good and incredibly creamy. All right, now this, the absolute last thing for today's show, which we're running long, which I love doing actually, is the Keep Cup. We were sent samples of this, and I have to tell you, there's a we're going to go on the whole rundown. What is it? This if you're looking at the show, is a keep cup. A keep cup is a plastic cup with a silicon ring around it and then a plastic ring with a little uh, 
little doodad that swings back and forth. So basically, it's a replacement for your disposable cups. So if you're going to Dunkin' Donuts, you're going to Starbucks, whatever, you can bring your keep cup with you, and you just hand it to them. It is it is industry standard sized, so they sell four sizes. This is the 16 ounce that I have in my hand. They also sell a 12 ounce, an 8 ounce, and a 4 ounce, all the way down. And the two smallest ones, the 8 ounce and the 4 ounce, actually fit under the group head for an espresso machine, so that you can actually take your you know four ounce uh, espresso cup to Starbucks, give them that, and you're not wasting any any uh, thing just giving that in. And the best part about it is after it's all done and all used up, then you know if your cup breaks or whatever, and you happen to happen to destroy some part of it or it gets crushed or something like that, it's completely recyclable. I've had a lot of people ask me, is the cup itself actually made from recycled materials? Well, the the wonderful folks over at Keep Cup who were kind enough to send me one of these to actually try out said that unfortunately, no, the USDA and so many other people say that you can't actually make any uh, anything for food-grade plastic out of recycled or, or post-consumer materials. So that's something I was unaware of. But it's probably uh, good. Uh, the the largest size they have is 16 ounces. So if you're looking for something that's a little bit bigger, unfortunately they don't have it uh, as of yet. However, there is one small downside, and that's probably only for a very small amount of people. But the actual keep cup itself is not an incredible uh, insulator. It, it's really good in everything that it does. It, it's perfect for in- industry standard sizes, and it, it's just really kind of thin-walled. And when you really look at it and you look it over um, – I have what is quite possibly the perfect travel mug upstairs. It is a, actually it's not even upstairs. It's unfortunately in the office, or else I would have it on TV. Um, it's called the Contigo Auto Seal. The Contigo Auto Seal can keep coffee hot for four hours after you pour it because it has an airtight seal on it. So if I take my coffee and brew it at home and take it into work it's still incredibly and piping hot however if you take coffee and you brew it into the keep cup and you take it to work it's significantly cooler it's usually cold if you drink it two hours later so it's not really meant to be a thermos it's to it's meant to be a uh, it's meant to be a disposable cup but it's not disposable. It's something you can just rinse out and throw in your bag. It's incredibly lightweight. It's incredibly durable. I was actually using these things for my kids because we have milk uh, when we watch uh, the fun Christmas movies that are coming on right now, and I'm really tired of cleaning milk out of the couch. So we have the sippy cups for the little one, and since the boy is old enough that uh, you know we're not really supposed to be dealing with the sippy cups with him anymore, he now has Daddy's sippy cup, which is the... Uh, the uh, travel mugs that happen to to accumulate around the house. So uh, I think that they'd probably be doing really good if they if they upped some of the sizes because, I mean, hey, we're America, super sizes, right? You, know, you need to get the 24 and the 32-ounce uh, cups, and then you know, maybe a lot more people will get on board. And the other design change that I actually suggested to the, to the people is that beyond just having the Keep Cup as it is, I would actually pay a little bit more money if it actually had a complete silicon, like, ring around it, you know, as opposed to just the ring, it had like a complete silicon sleeve on it to actually give it a little bit more insulation. I think it would be absolutely perfect. Uh, other than that, I think it's really good. It's incredibly durable. I've dropped it like six or seven times and it hasn't broken. Uh, unfortunately, the Contigo Auto Seal can only take a couple drops from, you know, off the top of the car before. <laughs> but, uh, 
Hey, you know what? It, it is what it is. So uh, that that mug actually died, unfortunately, after the fourth t- drop off the top of my car. You'd think after the first two, it would it would be fine, but uh, it hit off the stainless steel bottom a couple times, and it was perfectly fine. Uh, hit off the lid twice, and then shattered the lid on the second time, unfortunately. So uh, that that's the that's the way the Contigo crumbles, and unfortunately, or fortunately, the Keep Cup does not have that issue. So there you go, and here we are. All right, that about wraps it up here today. This has almost been a 50-minute show. This is, a, this is a length not often seen here at the Caffeination Podcast. And I don't even think we used our second camera too often. So, unfortunately, you didn't really get to see the... Uh the Star Wars uh, situation at the end of the <laughs> at the end of the um, the mixing board there, but you know it's like all kinds of sliders and stuff working out, working fine. All right, well, thank you ever so much for listening to us here at the Caffeination Podcast. This has been episode number five one two, the five hundred twelfth edition here at the Caffeination Podcast. You can find this and all the other episodic friends over www.caffination.com. That's caffeination.com. In case you weren't playing along at home, we have a whole bunch of different ways you can contact us: two one five two four zero one three one nine for a direct voicemail comment if you'd like to leave one. Comments, feedback, suggestion, and hate mail are always welcome and they can be shot off to caffeination at gmail.com. You can leave a comment over at the website. You can leave a comment on our Facebook fan page. We even have a whole situation set up over on Google+, which I need to actually work into the show notes. But there's so many different ways to get a hold of us. Reach out and touch someone. (laughs) All right. Thanks very much for listening, and stay caffeinated, people.